Whenever we come into times like this, I hear the voice of Jesus say, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God, knows God, for God is love. In the last few weeks, we've heard all kinds of news that has sent fear and sometimes anger and loss through us. In just the last seven days, the information has changed from the Democratic candidates and March Madness to social distancing and precautionary measures and supplies on hand. And what concerns me as a pastor is that long after this crisis has passed, and it will, we might have learned a lifestyle of self-preservation and self-reliance. So when I hear Jesus say, beloved, let us love one another. He's calling us to consider other people as more important than ourselves. Look on to the needs of others, he says, and not just your own needs. And he's calling us to remember that our times are ultimately in God's hands. Everything we're hearing right now is that the future depends on science and the government. Only so far, they can't save us. So now is a good time for Christians to rise up and say what we just sang. Nothing formed against me shall stand. God holds this world in his hands. We believe that or we don't. So when you're in conversations this week with others, quote the Father as much as you quote the latest resource. Ultimately, the thing we trust is the thing we quote, the thing we rely on, and the thing we give credit to after the situation passes. Now is a good time to prove our trust is in God alone. Can we pray for a moment before we get into the text? Father, thank you for being who you are and for making us what you've made us. This is the time, the hour, when our faith, which has taken a long time to build up, is at its strongest point. We pray that our confidence in you would rise, that as we call out to you, we would sense you are near and not far away. And we pray together with Christians all around the world that you would rise up and control the forces that control this virus and bring those forces to bear so that you calm the storm. Our hope is in you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that day when Jesus went around the pool, it was a large pool, maybe the size of a basketball court, surrounded by four porticos with a fifth one stretching over the top of the pool. Hundreds of disabled people, the word means that they were dry, withered, paralyzed, weak, fragile. Hundreds of them are scattered all around the pool. And why? Well, because this is the Sabbath and this is a Jewish festival. And even though this isn't a Jewish religious site, 
these hundreds of people now paralyzed are superstitious. They believe that an angel stirs the waters in the pool. What literally was happening, we think, was an underground spring was bubbling fresh water every now and then, and they considered that the stirring of an angel. And they told themselves, if I can be the first one into the pool when the angel stirs the water, then maybe my luck will change. Jesus, knowing that it's the Sabbath, knowing that Sabbath to the Jew means rest, pause, surrender, peace, God does the work, walks around the pool. No one is paying attention until he comes and stands in front of one man. He engages with this man in a conversation, and somewhere in that, he learns that the man has been lying there, paralyzed, for 38 years. 38 years is a long time to be in the same condition. It's a long time to wait for your luck to change. After 38 years, you've tried everything. And while you don't like your life, you're familiar with it. You know everybody that's around you. You know the routines. It's not the best world, but it's getting kind of comfortable, starting to feel ordinary. And so the question that Jesus asks in a moment like this is not as dumb as it seems. He says to the man, do you want to be well? And the word that Jesus uses for well is peculiar. There are lots of words in the Bible for healing. There's a handful of different words in the Gospels alone. The most common word, and the word that Jesus should have used, is the word therapeuo. It means to improve, to make better, to get over what ails you. Jesus should have said, do you want to improve? Do you want to get better? Do you want to get over the symptoms? But that's not the word he used. He used a different one, hugen, which means sound, reliable, whole, complete, made like the original. So what Jesus literally asked the man is... Do you want to be sound? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be complete? Or do you want to remain in the kind of life that has become comfortable for you? It's a profound question, I say, because most of us have settled into patterns and then moved our lives around those patterns. So while it's not the greatest life, and maybe we're not everything that God intended for us to be, it's manageable. We can do this. We're getting familiar with it. We know all of the characters and we have all the routines. You might remember that a few weeks ago, I introduced us to the meaning of the gospel. The gospel, we said, 
is an announcement that is made in the middle of a conflict that something has happened to change the momentum. Now the future is going to be different than we thought, and because of that, we believe it. And when we believe it, our entire disposition changes. We start acting as though it were already true, and then sure enough, in time, it is true. The four elements of that gospel, we said, were a struggle. There are powers far over our head controlling our everyday life. In the middle of that struggle is an announcement. Something has happened in places far above us that has changed our fortune. And when we hear that news, we believe it. We start hoping again and we start acting as though things are gonna be different. And sure enough, over time, they are different. God has made a permanent and a formative change in our lives. That, we said, is the gospel. So as you listen to the story about the man by the pool, it occurs to you that something larger is happening here. Maybe God is giving us a new gospel in the form of a question. Do you want to be whole? sound. Look at those four components again, this time overlaying the story in front of them, and it looks like this. The struggle is that there is a man lying who had been sick for 38 years. The announcement comes in the form of a question, do you want to be well? The belief is stand up, take up your mat, and walk, and as a result, Everything is different, and the man tells the Jewish leaders it was Jesus who made him sound, who made him well. As I say, when you read it like this, you start to hear another voice. Our condition, our struggle today, is that we're paralyzed, weakened, dry, maybe withered fragile, at least, somewhat confused. All of these things have been present in the American soul for years, but it took this moment to call them out. There's a tenseness that's in the air, in an uncertainty. There is a grief, sometimes turning into anger. We are not well. And the gospel comes in the form of a question. Do you want to be sound? You want to be whole again? Do you want to be complete? Or have you gotten used to your situation? And right here, it occurs to us that religion has failed us. All of our lives, we needed a gospel of wellness. What we've heard is a gospel of relief. A gospel of relief is worried only about the symptoms, mitigating the symptoms, treating the symptoms, but settling into the disease 
and moving our lives around it. The gospel of relief is concerned with the afterlife, with appeasing the wrath of the gods, but the gospel of wellness is concerned with the disease itself. It wants to get to the root of our fear and our discontent and our frustration. And it wants to replace all of that with the virtues and the values and the ways of Jesus Christ himself. The gospel of relief is getting better, but the gospel of wellness means you're getting whole. So when you're getting better, you stop fighting with your friends or your family, but, but when you're well, you reconcile with people. So the relationship is as good as it was before. When, when you're getting better, you control your tongue. You don't say those jagged things and you don't slander other people, but when you're well, you actually use that same tongue to build others up and edify them. And you set an example for the believers with your speech. When you're getting better, you try not to control everything. You try not to be so judgmental about every person or every event that comes into your life. But, but when you're getting well, you give thanks for all things, good and bad, because you know these things produce endurance. And endurance, when it's fully grown, produces character. So do you want to get better or do you want to be well? It's a question for every person that you live with and work with. But today, it's a question for you. Do you want to be whole? You've tried this for a long time. You've done everything they told you to do, haven't you? You've come to worship. You've taken the sacrament. You've read your Bible, did your prayers, did everything that religion has taught you to do. And yet tomorrow morning when you go to pray, you'll start with that same stubborn sin, won't you? And try to pray it out. You're still worried about getting better. Can I suggest another way? Tomorrow morning, when you spend time with God, and I'm sure you will, start not with your sins or your weaknesses. Don't rehearse the whole list of what you wish you didn't do. Start with a vision of what you want to become. Start with the character of Christ himself and describe it. Take a while, use as many adjectives and stories as you want and hold that image in front of you. Forget about your sins for a while and stop asking for forgiveness. Ask to be whole. Ask God to pull you almost irresistibly into that image that you've just spent time describing.
Like the man by the pool, you've tried for 38 years and you started to believe this is just the way it's going to be. I bet I'll die this way. My word to you this morning is that you don't have to. In spite of how stubborn a problem you have, in spite of how much you've tried and how comfortable you become, there is standing in front of you this morning a person in Jesus Christ who is completely well. And he wants to know, do you want to be well? And he looks like he means to do something about it. But first, you have to answer the question. And if you do, then you have to do the next thing he asks you to do. In spite of how impossible it seems, walk, he says, I could never do that. I've tried to walk for 38 years. Try again. Whatever God is asking you to do this morning, you can't do it until he asks you. And then when he does, you can do it. Tomorrow morning, as you meet with God and you hold that vision before you, remember this. You want to know Christ, don't you? You want to become like him, not only in his suffering, but in his resurrection. You know that it is Christ who has called you forward, and so you forget everything that is behind you, and you lean in to what he has called you to be, and you press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus is still taking hold of you. He has an image in his mind of the person you will be when you are completely well. And you will lean into that. He who began this good work in you, he is faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. The God of peace will sanctify you through and through. Faithful is he who called you. He will do it.